Why doesn't God speak to me? Why doesn't God speak to me? I get questions a lot about this, about, you know, how God speaks, why God speaks. And uh, have you guys ever heard the pastors when they come up and they say, God said this to me. What in your mind does it look like when God speaks to Pastor Devin? Okay, right now. Do you picture me walking and then all of a sudden having an open vision? <gasps> and I'm like seeing clouds and unicorns and angels. I mean like, you know, oh, I got, I got the message. God told me that there's a unicorn that's going to fly. Come on, anybody? How about this? How about dreams? Do you guys think that when God speaks, like when I say, God told me this, do you picture me having a dream? I wake up, got it. God gave me a dream last night. I've got the answer for you. Does anyone picture that? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody? No one pictures dreams. How about an audible voice? If I told you God spoke to me just in the office before I came out here, he spoke to me, he said, Devin, I want you to tell them I love them. Would you picture me hearing an audible voice like me speaking to you right now? Hands, anybody? Really? That's interesting. How many of you have heard an audible voice? Who just raised your hand? One, two, three. Was that a hand? Three. Interesting. How about this? Who's ever read like comics before? Anybody? Comics? Have you ever read a comic before? Am I speaking French? Like what? Like a newspaper, go to the back. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, newspaper. You don't even know what that is. Okay. In an app, swipe to the back. I don't even know if they do that anymore. Okay, who knows? The idea right, is this, right? You, you, you see the, the thought bubble. Boop, 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 boop. Right. Do you picture, when I say God spoke to me, are there words that pop into my head? Like I just have like a sentence that pops right into my brain. Anybody? Hands up. Is that how you picture God speaking to us? Okay. Now, in my experience, this is the most common expectation of how God speaks. We believe God's just going to plug these English sentences right into our mind. Now, what I want to kind of joke with you guys about a little bit today what are we doing during worship? Has anyone ever just stopped in the middle of worship and just kind of looked around and said to yourself, Why do, like, what in the world are we doing here? How about this? Who loves those moments on the screen when it says words and then it says, whoa? Come on. Anyone. Have you ever read on the screen it says, whoa, as in sing, whoa? Okay, so... When you guys get silent, it's like a matador with like the red. It just, it just gets, it, it, it's like you're testing me. Come on. We want more. Okay. Have you ever read the woe and thought that's weird? Is that even a word? No. What, like, what, whoa. <laughs> or ah, ah, ah. How about that? Why are we putting words on the screen to sing that are not even English words? Have you ever thought about this? Why are we putting syllables on the screen? That's not a word. Those are pieces of words. It doesn't have a concrete meaning. What is the meaning of, oh, oh. <laughs> I just sang that God is holy, or he's loving, or he's alive, and he's not dead, and then I go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, again, it doesn't sound like this way like when you guys sing, because you guys can actually sing. But if we turned you off and you listened to us sing the oh, oh's, <laughs> Yeah, Jesus in heaven going, that's exactly what I wanted to wake up to today. Perfect. I wanted to hear you guys who have no pitch sing O's. <laughs> or how about ooze? Have you ever been in a song and you sing ooze? 
ooze. <laughs> Have you even realized that we sing ooze? Anyone? Or do you just ignore it? You just block the whole thing out. You just like you, you take a nap during worship. There are things that we are speaking that don't have innate meaning. They don't have concrete meaning. How about that? An ooh or a, a woo. <laughs> Any R&B fans? Come on. R&B fans? How about a woo-woo? <laughs> what is the meaning of woo-woo? Please don't speak it out if you know the meaning of woo-woo. These are words that don't have concrete meaning. If you look them up, it will not be this is option one, two, three. It's a connotation, meaning it's not a firm concrete meaning. It means that the boundaries are loose on this. You're, you're putting something out, but we don't quite know what it is. Now, what's interesting about this, in the charismatic churches that I grew up in, some of the best moments happened when we weren't speaking words that had concrete meaning. There were times in, in worship where we would just kind of just sit there quietly and like they would do oohs and ahs or like, you know, in the 90s, the guitar would go, Wah! we'd be like, Jesus, <laughs> come on. I mean, seriously. The beautiful thing about those moments were is that we were taking off the limits. We were taking off the the confinement of what it could be that we were saying to God or what it could be that God was saying back to us. We were taking this box and we were opening the lid. What if there were things we were saying that didn't quite have concrete meaning? How about this? If you grew up in a charismatic church, we learned to speak in tongues. Whoever grew up in a church that spoke in tongues a lot. How about from the stage? Isn't that the best? Someone holds a microphone here. La, 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 la. It's really creepy because like you hear like the, the guttural. Sometimes you hear the spit in their mouth. It's terrific. Come on. It's just great. And they would get the microphone and they start speaking in tongues. Now, again, there's some of those things that weird us out. There's some of those things that are just not helpful, but there was something about this. What if there were ways to communicate to God? What if there were ways to connect that went beyond the concrete English language? What if there were things that were so real, so deep, so other, so expansive that I couldn't just say a word to you? I couldn't just speak something to you? What if I needed more? So when you think about the people in your life who, who kind of mean the most to you, what are the ways that you communicate to them? What are the ways that you take emotions, feelings, thoughts, ideas, and you take it from you and you connect to them? How about this? How about eye contact? Can eye contact communicate without words? Anybody? Have you perfected how to scare everything out of your children with the eye contact? <laughs> it means I'm about to skin you, child. You better quit right now. Right? Now, does anyone here have like the lovey-dovey eyes? Now, I'm not going to give that to you. That'd be really awkward. But <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. How about the smolder eyes? Is there anyone here who knows how to smolder? Come on. Someone just pointed at someone. That's awesome. She smolders all the time. <laughs> Bonus points for you. Good job. Right? Um, what about touch? Have you communicated to someone with touch? When you bring that hand, have you communicated like that before? How about a hug? Are you communicating with someone without speaking words? Come on, just respond. Yes? No? 
Are things being said without saying things? How about symbols? Did you have to say any words when you gave this to someone? (laughs) The pastor told me to, yes. But if you showed them this ring, did they, would they already know what it meant? Okay, without saying words, when you see on TV or in a restaurant, someone goes like this. Do you know what it means? Thank you, trying to prove my sermon wrong. Leave me alone. It has meaning without the pastor explaining it. I don't even need to be at the weddings. I know why I'm there. But you understand, there are symbols, right? There are ways of communicating things that don't need you to speak these concrete words. How about animals? Have you ever connected to an animal before? How about trees? Do you hug trees, anybody? Yes? Amen! I knew it was coming. There are ways to connect. Have you ever felt like an animal understood you? Come on, you guys are not helping today. We are not being helpful. Yes. How about your dog? How about when you're happy to see them? Does your dog get it? Does the tail wag? Do you respond? Kristen, your dog talks to you all the time, doesn't he? All the time. See? A dog person. Now, I'm not that way with my dogs typically. Typically, like, they're not going to get the I love you, okay? What they will get is when I turn the corner, they see my face, they will run out of the house because they just peed on the floor. Like, they know exactly what my feelings are. And it, when we used to have a puppy, uh, he used to be like, you can't speak to Pompey. It doesn't understand English. Really? Because it saw me and just ran to hide underneath the couch. I think it understands clearly what's about to go down. <laughs> I think it gets it, right? There are communication that takes place beyond our words. But here's the weirdest thing about this. Why do we connect and communicate to all of these other people and creatures in our lives through all of these different ways? But when we talk about the one being who's, who's capable and created all these things, we say the only way this God speaks is by putting this English words in my head. And typically, these words are very consistent. I heard this podcast the other day, these very, very cynical people who I love a lot, who are talking about words of knowledge. Have you ever had someone come and say, God, put this on my heart, and here it is. And so they were joking about all of the usual words that we use. God has a new season for you. He has promotion for your life. Come on, someone who who grew up with any of this. Okay, the words are similar. It's almost like God only speaks in 20 words. We just got to find a new way to move around, right? It all sounds the same. Why? Why? Or how about this one, the best one? When God speaks, He always speaks in like King James. Anyone? I was in prayer in my prayer closet. Thus saith the Lord. The Lord hath called you forward. Come on, anybody. And of course, God speaks with his hands a lot too. Because okay, I'm sorry. I just got too much of this. There are all of these ways that you have boxed God in. If you haven't realized yet here at Grace Church, my favorite thing is to break your boxes. <laughs> That's what I love to do because you have put God in this tiny little box. When we ask the question, why doesn't God speak to us? The first thing that we need to talk about today is the idea that you don't believe God speaks to you because you have limited the ways that God speaks to you. If my wife, from now on, could only communicate, could only connect to me through English words, either speaking them or by putting them into my brain, or even how about this? She could write them down, like in the Bible. Have you guys ever been, you have been like, oh, God spoke to me through Psalm 23? Anybody? Everyone's had that Psalm speak. Oh, I was just having a rough day and God spoke to me in the Psalms. Anybody? Come on, be honest. 
I just need a word today, so I had to get the Bible open. If you guys are truly Pentecostal, here's what we would do. Now, you can't do it with these anymore, any of the iPads. What you do is be like, God, I really need you to speak and open it. <laughs> Magically, eight out of ten times, it's in the Psalms, the largest book in the Bible in the middle of the Bible. Oh, no! Look, God spoke in the Psalms again! Whoa! Lord, have mercy! If, if you want a good landing spot, flip it a little bit. Just give it a little... Come on, you guys got it. Come on, just, just a little bit. You've all done it. You, you've all done the open the Bible. What's he saying today? And the Lord said to Habakkuk, and you go, okay, now it's not for me. <laughs> These are all of the interesting ways that we've tried to box God in. We've tried to, to confine him, to limit him. And if the, the rest of my life, if my wife could only communicate to me through spoken words, that would be a very, very sad experience. Most of the, the deepest connections you've ever had with people or with things have all been unspoken. Sometimes silence is a language of its own. <laughs> if that guy gets down and does this, and there's silence, that's not... <laughs> it's a message, right? It's being communicated quite clearly. It's saying, I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass you in this restaurant, but no. Not, it's not going to happen. There are all these other ways that we communicate, all these other ways that we connect. There are woos and woes and woo-woos, which we can say, and we're not really saying a thing, but we're saying something. I love the fact that charismatic worship builds in woos and wahs and woo-woos. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the woo-woos, but you know what I'm talking about. Because it gives us some space to say things that maybe we don't even have words for. Have you ever experienced something from someone, typically a glance or a look or body uh, um, uh, motions or posture? There are things that someone can say to you that impact you in such a way that you can't even put words to it. You know, I, with my children sometimes, I struggle to give English words to my feelings towards them. Because you, you can only say I love you so many times. How boring is that? I love you. A hundred times a day. It gets old, doesn't it? Imagine if your ability to communicate love was limited to English words. How come we couldn't be Spanish or speak Latin or Greek and have many different forms of love? I agape you. I have to be careful with the other words. I phileo you, right? I eros you, right? All these different meanings. But what if God only spoke to us through English words? You're limiting what God can say to you. The major thing that we have to learn as we come to this series is this. The biggest thing that you're missing is that you are restricting the ways that you're paying attention to God. You're limiting them. Most communication, I forget the numbers in this. I used to go through this, this training when I worked with Sean, but most communication, they say, is, is nonverbal. I want to say it's around, it's around 70% of communication is nonverbal. It's not words. And so in this area of learning to communicate, I kind of have a foot up on most of you. With my, my younger brother, Sean, who has autism, if the only way to communicate with someone, to, to connect, was with English words being spoken to me, then I would never be able to connect to my brother, ever. You know, I, I remember the hardest thing with Sean was back, there was a space where he, he was like catatonic, meaning like he wasn't able to respond to anything. He would just stare off in the distance when he was younger. That was the hardest experience. It wasn't the nonverbal. There were times when you couldn't even get eye contact. You couldn't get anything from him. 
Now he communicates a lot. Like, he's not in here right now because I'm up here preaching. <laughs> I've already heard him. I'm good. Sean, he communicates in all sorts of ways. When he's around someone, you see people laughing or joking because they are getting what he's putting out there. Whether it's eye contact or posture. I walked in the other day and he, had, he, uh, he was in my chair. I said, Sean, move. He stands up like this. Okay, got it. Message sent and received. You're bigger than me. I'm older, but you're bigger. You can have it. <laughs> you win. He doesn't have to speak in, in, the, in these words. If I didn't have the ability to receive communication in any other way, then I would be completely uh, disconnected from my brother. And what most of us have done with God is we've disconnected ourselves. Because pastors have stood on the stage and told you, here's what God, here's how God spoke to me. I was walking in my prayer room one day, and God gave me these words, and I will share them to you. And then all of a sudden, somewhere inside of you, you built this idea that this is the way God speaks to us. And so I think even beyond this notion, there's something at, the, there's something at a very emotional level that I want us to deal with this morning, a very soul level. Um, have you ever experienced the silence treatment with God before? Where it just feels like God is quiet, or, or even beyond that. Has anyone ever given you the silent treatment? You should nod. Someone has, right? A teacher, when you were that crazy kid who got in trouble, did they ignore you? Did they put you in the corner? Absolutely, all day, every day, right? If you were the child who just wouldn't shut up, how about parents? Have parents ever given you the silent treatment? How about your spouse, best friends, children? So, there is this, this thing that we learn at a very young age, that presence is a reward. If I do the right things, then I get the presence of the person who I want their attention, I want their affection. If I do the bad things, then there's separation. This is actually something that I am very careful of with my children. I have to be very intentional and careful that when I am upset with them, when I'm mad with them, when I'm disappointed with them, that I do not take away my presence, my attention, my, my focus on them. So Jude's going up there right now to go play a, a baseball game in Springdale. I'll miss it. And typically when he gets up to bat, he makes eye contact with me. And again, I'm not saying anything, but I, I, he can see in my face, my body, my posture, my eyes, that I am encouraging him. And we, we just kind of lock eyes. When he goes up to swing, if he strikes out and he turns around to look at me and I have my head down, I haven't said anything to hurt him. I haven't beaten my child, but I have taken away my presence. I've, I've instilled in his little heart that dad is disappointed in you. And when you do things that don't make me happy, I'm going to create distance between us. And then if he gets up and he hits a home run and he looks at me and I'm clapping, I make eye contact, I'm encouraging, I've now instilled in him that when he does the things I want him to do, he gets my presence. When he does things I don't want him to do, he gets isolation. This is one of the most harmful things you could ever teach your children is that your presence is only connected. There's a string attached to your presence. Now, when your kids are acting crazy at home, when they are fighting and they're being loud and they're yelling, and I mean, what do you want to do? Kids, I love you so much. Come here, group hug. 
right? It's more like, line up. <laughs> We're going to take care of this, right? Come on, anybody or nobody. Amen, okay. When the kids are being crazy, that's when I try to slip away. We were at baseball practice the other day, and I was watching the oldest and the two younger were being nuts. I saw Nisa, and I knew if I gently walked down to the other end of the fence, she would be responsible for the kids. <laughs> so I said, oh, oh, look, there's a baseball. I've got to go get that. Because when the, when the crazy happens, when they're being stressful, when they're making you upset, when they're being awful, I mean, because, you know, your, your kids are never awful, ever. They're always angels. Okay, we get that. You have this reaction to create separation. Now, Mother's Day is coming up. When the kids walk up to you after church, they bring you the most awesome little craft ever, because we all know it's adorable. And they're like, Mommy, I love you. You're the best. You're not going to say, yeah, great. See, these are the moments when you go, you know what? I am a great mom. And you're going you're gonna to get down there and hug, and you're going to soak it up. You're going to tell them, hey, when you come to me with affection, I'm going to give you more affection. There is a reward, a string attached to my presence. This is a dangerous thing. This is a very unhealthy thing for us to build into our kids. We don't want this. But what happens with us somewhere in our walk with God, we are taught this, that this is the way it works. Whenever I first uh, became very serious with God, uh, I knew that God had favorites. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. But I knew that there were some people who were super awesome, God spoke to them all the time, and there were some people who were just less awesome. And God would kind of be like, oh, I love you too, <laughs> on his way to hang out with me. <laughs> and so I would pray more. I used to spend about three to four hours a day in prayer. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. I had a huge ego, and I was very competitive, and I was going to outpray you. I was going to out-holy you. I was going to out-fast you. I mean, it was the whole thing was a competition to me. And I knew that if I could just pray more, if I could do more of the right things, that God would be with me. You see, the question this morning is this. Does God speak more to the righteous? So the root of this word righteous, it means doing the right thing, right? Those who are on the right side of God, those who have done the right things, does God speak more to them than those who do the wrong things? What do you think? Anybody? Thoughts? Yeah? Yeah? Does God speak more to the pastor who's the righteous in the right stand with God, or does He speak more to the pimp? Pastor, pimp. Who's God speaking to more? <laughs> the pimp! Speaking to the woo-woo, right? That's who He's speaking to. i got to be careful. I always forget that these things go online. I'm like, man, you know, like... Someone could pull this up in 10 years and be like, hey, do you remember when you said that? No, I don't. Oh, my goodness. Are there strings attached to God's presence? Now, in the Scriptures, we do see very clearly that there are things that we call blessings, right? There's favor. There are things where God, He lavishes extra good things on us, extra attention, extra uh, rewards in certain areas of our lives for certain actions of right obedience and trying to, you know, to, to follow His will for our lives. But what about His presence? Is His presence, is Him paying attention to us? Is His speaking to us? Is His spending time around us? Is this, does this have strings attached? So Liam, he, he's, he's my younger son. Uh, I just love Liam. He's learning baseball right now. He's playing t-ball. I forgot how boring t-ball was. It's the worst. It's terrible, isn't it? The kids are, are sweet and they're trying hard. 
but it's not baseball yet. It's something else, right? And so he's learning baseball, and he's doing really well, actually. But for him, he ha- he's still scared of the ball, okay? So we have this softball that we throw around. He's getting good at catching it. But if you want a winner, you have to train him. So here's the deal. I said, here's the agreement. Liam, if you can catch the hard ball when I throw it overhand at your face, if you catch it in the air, then I will get you a reward. I'll take you to Target and I'll get you any toy you want. But it's got to come out your face with the hard ball. Woo! He saw that and he was like, I want it. So he's been training and he's, he, he's getting himself ready, ready, ready. And you could tell he was nervous. And that ball's coming out his face. He wanted to run. Oh, finally did it. After a week of training, we started with soft, underhand, soft toss. Then we kind of blobbed it and then it came at him. And boy, I threw it hard. He better catch it. And he did. That was not a gift. That was a reward. That had an if attached to it. If you do this, then you get this. Now, Liam's birthday is in September, around my birthday. When I come to Liam on his birthday and I have a box and I have a toy in it, that is not a reward. I'm not saying, Liam, you did so good at continuing to breathe and to eat and to sleep that you get this awesome reward for being alive for another year. Keep breathing. This is a birthday gift, right? I bring it for one reason. Because. Because He exists. That's it. I bring a gift to celebrate His presence. To say, I am so glad that you are here around me, with me. I am so glad that you are here Here's a gift. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do a trick. You don't have to catch a ball. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get an A on a test. All you have to do is just be. Here's a gift. No strings attached. The way that God handles His presence is just as a gift. If you don't hear anything this morning, I want you to hear this. The presence of God is a gift. It's not a reward. Seriously, allow that to sink in. The presence of God is a gift. It is not a reward. The people who pray more don't get more of God than you do. The people who read the Bible more don't get more words than you do. The people who sin less don't get more words from God than you do. The presence of God is a gift. If you learn anything... I encourage you to read the Gospel of Luke. Every chapter in the Gospel of Luke, God is speaking to people. And I want you to pay attention to who Jesus speaks to. He goes to every single group of people who Jesus should not be speaking to and spends time with them. Every group who He should be spending time with, He ignores them. (laughs) It's amazing. We'll preach on that some other day. The gift of God's presence is not based with strings. There's no ifs with the presence of God. We used to have this concept in our churches. If we could just get the worship right, if we would pray for a month, if we would fast and pray, then God will show up. Yes! Woo! And then we go back to the ordinary life and He's gone. Man, I wish I could be at that conference. Man, it was so good there. What's going on here? What's what's happening? Was God really there or what's happening? The last uh, eight years, as I've kind of done some, some exploring, as God's kind of taken me into different 
church circles. I've been shocked. I would be in circles where everyone knew in the room that when the baseline drops and we get to that woe woes, that God's going to show up. And Lord, it would happen. And it would be real. I would love it. They went to Baptist churches and they knew when the Word of God is preached, God shows up. And every once in a while, oh my gosh. We break out the hymnals. The bass line's gone. Everyone gets to sing and there's nothing to cover them up, man. It does not sound pretty. I'll tell you right now. Not a rewards-based thing with God, that's for sure. And then I'd hang out with Catholic. And they expected God to show up when they broke out the prayer beads. And I would look at this and be like, that's the most ridiculous. God doesn't show up with prayer beads. That's silly. I sound like Mr. T, didn't I? I pooed the fool with prayer beads. <laughs> Come on. The Eucharist, this is new to me. What are you talking about, bread and juice? That's silly. Do you even know the historical roots of that? That's wrong. And all of a sudden, there you go. I always show up in churches with the worst theology in the world. I mean, they couldn't understand the Bible if it smacked them in the face. Hear the worst sermon I'd ever heard ever. No, that's not God at all. Please don't say that. And then God shows up. What are you doing? They're going to keep doing bad things if you tell them this is good. I've worshiped with crazies, with idiots, with geniuses, with, I mean, you name them. And God shows up in all these places. Why? Huh. They're going to keep doing the wrong stuff. <laughs> Don't they know the right formula? <laughs> the light's got to be out. <laughs> got to have the screen going. Have to have the garden lights. I and mean, the garden lights are in, guys. And we had them first. No one had garden lights right here before we did, all right? We were the first with the Edisons. Now everybody's got Edisons. What's next? Smoke machines or silence, loud music, no music, in a big group alone. What is your formula? hearing God, right? All the formulas are off. Here's one thing, though, which they all learned. Because every group I was in was so sure. No, no, no. God only shows up at the table, Devin. No, no, no. He only shows up when the band is here. He only shows up in the prayer room when everyone's speaking in tongues. No, He only shows up when I'm alone in my room without distractions, when I'm in my prayer closet. They were all wrong. Here's the only common thing that you need to understand. The people here who hear God more often are not more holy or more special, more gifted. They're paying more attention than you are. They're paying attention. I was at a ball game yesterday, and in those circles, uh, I'm a little bit more, uh, how do you say this, myself. I kind of pull back. I'm not very loud. I, I don't really talk to people. So there's always noises going on, but I'm always assuming they're not talking to me. And so, and so I heard someone talking behind me, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting conversation. And then they tapped me, because apparently they had been talking to the back of my head, and I had no idea. <laughs> oh, you're talking to me. Okay, sure, let's have this conversation. It wasn't that I was unable to hear. It wasn't that someone wasn't speaking to me. It was that I did not expect anyone to be speaking to me. Why would you talk to me? Obviously, my back is turned to you. Don't talk to me. I'm... <laughs> I'm doing something else. I'm kind of rude. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> the biggest thing that comes into this is how we pay attention. I want you to, uh, three points I want to share with you. It's real quick. God does not speak more to the righteous, to the gifted, to the holy, to the Christian, to the non-Christian. God is constantly present, constantly speaking. But there is one denominator. 
It's the people who are paying attention, those who are attentive, who are hearing God speak to them. Here's the first thing. Here's the first kind of clue to being attentive to God. Posture. I'm the first person who gets uncomfortable when we start kind of putting formulas on things. Oh, we all got to raise our hands, or we all got to sit down, we all got to play tambourines. That would be a hoot. If we just like, we gave everyone tambourines one Sunday, you have to get on it or God's not coming. Stay on beat. He doesn't like the off beats. <laughs> yeah, he would never show up here, right? <laughs> We'd be lost, right? No, there's a posture. And so the one, the one good thing, uh, the, well, there's a lot of good things, but there's one thing about a posture of standing and say dancing or hands up or hands raised or clapping, there's something about putting yourself in a position where you're expecting something, Right? Uh, for me, whenever I pray, often I feel most comfortable kind of sitting down, quiet, alone. But there is something powerful about taking my body and clapping, rocking, dancing, or ha- raising hands, whatever it is to kind of spur in me expectation. Expect something to happen. Uh, I said this the last service. Jude played catcher the other day. He was on his knees and and so sometimes he gets bored playing catcher because it's just, it, you know, at this age it's a little bit boring. And so he'll get on his knees. And there'll be a hit, a foul ball, and he'll take his mask off and he's late to get to it. Because a catcher is supposed to be in a squatter position. The idea is this. They have a posture of expectation. They expect a foul ball to, so they can catch it. It's the only position whose job is to be right there. Every time that they hear the ting of the bat, mask off, I'm running after the ball. A posture of expecting something to happen. The first thing that you have to learn as you, as you learn how to hear God is to have a posture. Expect God to speak to you. And I hear this all the time. Well, He only speaks to me here, only speaks to me in my prayer room, only speaks to me at church. I've only ever heard God speak to me in the Bible. Those are just the only places you're paying attention. It's almost like tuning in, right? Having yourself ready to receive. Often you only hear in certain ways and certain times because those are the only places where you've trained yourself to be attentive, to listen, to pay attention to God. And this is one of the hardest things, learning when you're at work, when the kids are being crazy, when you're in church, when you're not at church, learning to be tuned in, to be receptive, right? To always be, to be sensitive that God could be speaking at any time. The second thing with, with your posture is going to be your pace. All right, that is kind of silly. But, okay, if I said, uh, who do I got? Colby, he's the winner. How, how about you, Colby? If I said, Colby, I want to chat with you. I, I want to have a deep heart-to-heart. God spoke to me with English words, and I want to share them to you. Come on, talk. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me, Colby. Okay, I'm done. But picture me running. It will be difficult for us to have a deep connection, which you're probably okay with, right? You're, you're fine. Keep running, right? But, but how about this? This is even worse for you. Oh, I want to get down, but I won't do it. Imagine if I have you stay there, I come next to Jenny, and I face you in the chair. I get this close to you. Eyes to eyes. You're smelling my breath, right? <laughs> We're now ready for a deep conversation. He's sweating now. <laughs> Please don't ever do that to me. Please, whatever it takes. Pace. Your most intimate, deep connections with people don't happen on the run, right? Now, you have to live a busy life, okay? You guys are not called to be priests. 
Maybe you are, I don't know. But your life is going to be fast. If you have work, you have kids, you've got stuff going on, you have to move around quickly. But pace is about learning to take breaks. I'm not just talking about vacations. But even like throughout the day, learning to find times in your day where you slow down to pay attention. You know, date nights have been kind of billed as like the cure-all to broken marriages. Learn to date each other. Yes, there's some good things in there. What happens in date nights is you're trying to train yourself to have a pace of connection, meaning to make space in your busyness to slow down with another human being to connect to them, right? You have to learn posture. You're expecting to connect to God, and you're making time in your day to slow down enough to hear, to connect, to listen. And the third thing is not rocket science. It takes practice. One of the saddest things I can tell you today is that most marriages will not ever learn how to deeply be connected to each other. Most friendships, best friendships, most parents to their children will never learn how to be deeply connected, ever. Most marriages, most uh, parental relationships will have tiny little moments of intimacy sprinkled throughout their life. But they're always missing each other, just kind of passing each other in the night learning how to have this expectation, how to move slowly where you connect to God. These, these are the tricks. These things take practice, takes time. And so as we go in this series, I, there's all sorts of things I want to tell you. We're going to open up and unpack so much stuff in this series. I'm really excited about it. But the first building block is the emotional one for us today. You have to let God pull this idea out of you that, you are, that He only comes close to you he only comes in for the hug. He only comes in for the high five when you've done something good for him. He's only speaking to you when, you have, when you've been a good Christian, when you've done the right things, or when you've been praying or not praying. And I used to have this idea that if I wasn't in my prayer closet 24-7, he wasn't speaking to me. Now, the one thing about my prayer closet was it was a place I paid attention. And it wasn't that God stopped speaking to me. It's that I had lost my ability to listen, to pay attention. Would you guys stand with me this morning? So we're going we're gonna to end this a little bit differently than we normally do. Today is Communion Sunday, and I, I, I firmly believe in doing it together. But today I want to do something a little bit different. Um, so what we're going to do with, with Communion Day, we're going to close the service. And the worship team is going to stay for a few minutes, not long. But they're going to stay for a little bit to give you time. If you want to linger, pace, right? To linger is not to run, to sprint, to jog. It's to move slowly, right? Yesterday we were at a restaurant. And there was a huge group in front of us who lingered at the table for an hour. We hate them. <laughs> they just, the meal was done, the check was there, and they just kept talking and sitting, and they would not leave. Lingering. So what we're going to do is, I want to give you some time to linger today. So we're going to close the service. We're going we're gonna to take the lid off, the elements, and we're going to have them available. And if you want to, to kind of get the elements, sit down somewhere in the sanctuary and just pay attention, kind of tune in. We have to practice in places like this. We don't believe God only hangs out here in the sanctuary or at the table with the bread or the guitar or the drums, but these are easier ways to practice. We learn how to be in a posture of expecting. We learn how to slow down here so that we can take it out of here. Father, I just pray this morning, the biggest thing on my heart today is that for every person in the room who has that, that, that broken expectation of you, your presence has no strings attached. 
Your presence is not a reward. You do not only speak to us or congratulate us or hug us, comfort us, show up to us when we're doing the right things. You don't speak more to those who are holy or righteous or just better at being spiritual than we are. Father, I ask that you would just deep into our hearts that we would know that your presence is a gift, a gift freely given all 24-7, all throughout the day. You are near to us. You are speaking to us. You're trying to connect to us. And all we have to do is pay attention. So in every person here who needs some healing in their emotions and their mind, I ask that as we linger with you today that you would do that work. Your presence is a gift freely given. In Jesus' name. Let's pray that over every person in the room today that sometime this week that they would encounter in a physical, mental, emotional way that they would know that you are around them, speaking to them, next to them, moving in their lives all throughout their life, even when they thought you weren't. You do not give them the silent treatment. In Jesus' name.